You're listening to another episode of The Zag, continuing our series featuring our 20 amazing NLC LA fellows who will start in January with the NLC Institute. Today we're joined by Angie. She's going to tell us a little bit about what she's up to, what she's excited about for the fellowship, all the good stuff. So thanks for listening. Let's get to it. All right, Angie, we'll talk a little bit about your your Vote Together stuff, but I wanted to start with your time at LA 2050, which I feel like engaged a lot of the city in an interesting way and engaged a lot of NLC alums uh, and their various nonprofits as they were trying to get funds from LA 2050. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up there and what your time was there, uh, what, what, what it was actually like. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Um, so the time at LA 2050 was a really pivotal moment for me to understand the landscape in Los Angeles. Um, I am not a native native Angelino, but I have grown to really love Los Angeles. And I moved here about five and a half years ago for graduate school. And what LA 2050 represented was sort of, was this like the spirit, the civic activism that was taking place throughout the region. um, And just the wealth of social innovators, um, social entrepreneurs um, in LA. And so um, I, you know, came to the work just by being curious about what was happening in Los Angeles and learning about um, the Goldrush Foundation and, um, and the LA 2050 initiative. And then what kind of things did you learn in terms of being an organization that gives away money like that? I know there were some different incarnations each year on mm-hmm. how they chose to give away the funds, but yeah, what kind of things did you take away from that experience? The biggest thing I took away was just to listen. Um, it was really important to us that the organizations that we granted funds to were not just grantees. We really thought of them as partners. And so our approach from year to year, like you mentioned, uh, shifted slightly based on how folks um, felt about the grant making process, how they felt about the public um, voting aspect of the process. Um, and, you know, to support the work that's happening on the ground, support the work that's happening by um, our amazing organizers throughout the region, we do have to listen very carefully. And so it just became very clear that, you know, we could only do our work insofar as we were responsive to what we were hearing on the ground. And then of those partners, which one for you was the most exciting to work with? Or what was one of the projects that they used the funds to create that you take the most pride in? Oh my gosh, you're never supposed to pick your favorite child. But what I loved about um, the work with LA 2050 was unlike a lot of other grant-making institutions, it was an open call. And um, it was something that had sort of developed um, uh, awareness across the LA region, which meant that we learned about organizations that I think that we would not have otherwise been capable of learning about. One of my favorites was um, there it was a nonprofit based in Lancaster called Lost Angels Children's Project. It was founded by um, a gentleman out in Lancaster who uh, who did classic car repairs. And he was inspired to um, to start an after-school program for foster youth and homeless youth um, in Lancaster, an area that doesn't get a lot of civic investment and a lot of funding, um, philanthropic investment, and was inspired to start a classic car restoration program for these young people. And it was a great application that made me cry. It was beautiful. And the work that they've got on to do um, during the time that we were funding them, but um, thereafter as well, um, is just sort of, it just is like, 
it's reflective of just the amazing spirit that people in LA have and um, the ability people folks have people have um, to solve um, really critical problems in their backyard. Yeah. And then speaking of that spirit of folks in LA, there was a lot of spirit for the midterms. A lot of people voted, which is important to you because you work at a place now where getting folks to vote is central to the mission of the org. Tell folks a little bit about Vote Together. So Vote Together is a national campaign to change the culture of voting and increase voter participation by making voting celebratory and fun. So we want to make Election Day as celebratory as the 4th of July. Um, So this work sort of sits with the question, why do we celebrate the day that we are granted our um, our access to participate in our democracy more than we celebrate the act of participating in the democracy <laughs> itself. Yeah. Um, and so this year we built an exciting coalition of over 400 organizations that all did something really fun and crazy. They hosted parties at polling locations or at local restaurants or at their homes with their friends, with their neighbors, um, with their congregations to get people excited and to celebrate um, civic participation. And then if you were put in charge of elections nationally, what one or two remedies are, are top of mind for you to get people to vote more often? Is it making it a national holiday? Is it uh, moving it from the week to the weekend? What kind of things do you feel like would make the biggest impact? There's so much. I mean, the voter engagement space, um, voter access and um, addressing voter suppression there, it's it's such a layered um you need sort of all of those things working in concert together. Um, you know, we worked in areas where, you know, folks were being threatened for the work that they were doing. So that's a thing that I would love to change. It's not as, um, it could be a systemic change, but it's also a cultural change. I think certainly the day on which elections happen um, does matter. That said, in 34 states in the District of Columbia, you can vote on the Friday, Saturday, or Sunday before the election. And so it's about getting that information out to people. Um, I think expanding access to voting uh, via early vote or vote by mail um, is really important as well. So I could never pick just one because it's such um, uh, a complicated um, uh, mesh of both cultural, systemic, and then also access issues. And I think it's important to address all of them at once. Yeah. And then uh, last thing, what are you looking forward to the most when we get all the fellows together in January for the first Institute session? Yeah, the reason why I joined LNLC and I felt like I was in a place where I wanted to be um, challenged and I wanted to um, become comfortable and to meet new people that would, um, you know, make me feel both of those things. And so I'm really just so excited to meet everyone, to be in conversation with them, to learn and to grow together. And I hope to build um, lifelong bonds. Yeah, well, we're excited to see you in January. Thanks for coming on this episode. Thanks, for everyone, for listening to The Zag. You can catch all the other episodes featuring the 19 Amazing Fellows. You can find that at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. That's all there. Check them out. You'll enjoy it. Until we talk to you, have a great weekend.